Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm your host as always, Stan McCune, realtor right here in the Greenville area, and you can find all of my contact information in the show notes if you need to reach out to me for any of your real estate needs. And please, if you like this uh, the show, please support it in one simple way. Well, besides uh, being my client, uh, my real estate client, uh, support the show by liking, subscribing, reviewing, rating, whatever it is, uh, whether you're on YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh audio boom, whatever, whatever the platform allows you to do, at the very least, they all allow you to subscribe. So please make sure you do that. And if you can support the show by liking, uh, leaving a rating or review, any of those things, I would greatly appreciate that. Uh, As my longtime listeners know, or the people that know me well, but perhaps some of you newer listeners of the show uh, might not know, I have my ear to the ground on a variety of local political things. And I... Uh, don't have a clear-cut party affiliation, uh, but when it comes to local issues, I am very concerned about real estate-related things, right? And this is a real estate podcast, and guess what? We have some local elections coming up very soon, a lot of mayor and city council uh, elections happening very soon, and I would like to bring to bear some of the knowledge that I have on some of these issues. But before we get into the hyper-local things, I want to address a few other political things real quick. First off, um, I'm recording this about a week before this episode is going to broadcast. We may very well be in the middle of a federal government shutdown by the time this is released. I don't know. I I, I think it's going to happen. I don't know how long uh, we're going to be shut down for. Um, But... Just know that uh, I'm not really discussing that in this podcast because I don't exactly know yet. We haven't gotten to, I'm recording this before October 1st, so I'm not yet sure what's going to happen uh, or how that's going to impact things, but it does have an impact on real estate, right? It impacts government-backed loans in some instances. It could impact uh, Social Security-related things, uh, people being able to to do tax, uh, look up tax records, uh, that might be necessary for real estate closings, etc. I am not a fan of government shutdowns uh, because it it disproportionately hurts people that need the government to run uh, that tend to be on the, the middle class or uh, lower income spectrum of things. So I am not a fan of, uh, of government shutdowns. I'm not sure uh, whether it's going to happen for sure or how long it will be, um, but... I'm just throwing that out there in case some of you uh, are listening to this and are like, wow, he talked about politics but didn't address the government shutdown. I I don't know. I'm recording this too early for for me to address that. So we'll just see what happens. Hopefully, if if we shut down, it won't be for very long. Um, Let's talk about county council for a second before Greenville County Council before we get into some of these local elections. Um, I went to a Greenville County Council meeting. And I've told you guys before, the county council is uh, is a bit of a circus right now in Greenville. And I can tell you as an eyewitness, it is still very much a circus um, right now. So the reason why I went was to oppose that the county effectively wants to zone unzoned areas. How are they planning to do that? They're planning to make all of these extraordinary development rules, such as forcing people if they build that their lot has to be one and a half acres 
uh, if they have a septic tank, if they're building with a septic tank. That is the craziest thing that I've heard real estate-wise a local municipality try to, to push through in a long time. Trying to make unzoned areas have a one and a half acre requirement just because they have a septic. South Carolina already has stricter septic rules than almost all of the other states in the southeast that were that were uh, near that were near geographically, um, and they're trying to basically make it mm, eight times stricter than what the current DHEC requirements are. That is absolutely insane. Um, and so, uh, thankfully, County Council, uh, they realized that they were going to uh, go have some opposition. They were supposed to have a second reading, uh, but they backed away. They decided to push that into October. Um, so, we'll see what happens. But to me, that's completely outrageous that for unzoned areas to make that kind of requirement. Like I said, this is a de facto zoning of unzoned areas that hurts people's home values. That uh, that hurts housing affordability. You know, if you're if a developer tries to come in, they have to develop one and a half acre plots. Guess what? Guess what kind of homes go on one and a half acre plots of land? Those are luxury homes. That's not going to help housing affordability in in the way that people think of it. Um, so not and if you try to just build, you know, standard three hundred thousand dollar house again, you have to account for that acreage requirement that $300,000 house is probably going to be more like 450,000. So it's it's just it really is a, a to, to me an outrageous thing that Greenville County Council has proposed. And I hope that after they've had a month uh more to think about it that they'll come to their senses and decide, "Oh yeah, that was a really stupid idea. We're not going to do that." Um I'll mention as well there are there are some outsiders on county council um, that, um, they, how should I say this? I'm not going to name names. Okay. You can go to County Council yourself and see it for yourself, but they want to cause a ruckus. They want to throw their weight around. They're on the outside kind of looking in. And so they just cause turmoil, interrupting a lot, uh, saying things, you know, uh, unnecessary, not understanding council rules, Speaking out of turn, it, it was, honestly, it was very annoying for me being there and how often, and every there was rumblings in the room. There, you know, it wasn't a packed uh, council chamber. By the way, this is my first time in the new council chamber, uh, which is pretty nice. It's plenty of room for everyone. It was probably only 30%, 35% full uh, in there, which was surprising. I thought it would be a lot more full. There was, uh, you know, media members there and whatnot. Um but um, there was uh, there were some unruly things that happened. People that spoke, uh, not from the uh, from the county, but just uh, people from the community that came up and spoke uh, that were hurling accusations against county people, county uh, council members. All sorts of chaotic things happening, like I already said. Um, and we 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 need to. Uh, do a little bit of soul searching in terms of Greenville County Council. Now we're not going to be able to do that yet. Um, and some of the the people that are trying to cause a ruckus in County Council are going to be in council uh, for a little while longer because they were just uh, elected in not that long ago. 
but yeah, this is this is kind of the state of of where things are. Um, we, we need to, as citizens, citizens of Greenville County, you need to uh, attend these county council meetings, know what your county council person is doing, uh, and try to try to uh, voice to them and and let them know uh, that the way they're acting right now is unacceptable. This is having a dysfunctional county council like the one that we currently have can have a very negative impact on the trajectory of the county. We don't want to see that happen. There are a bunch of seven, five votes. You know, we have a 12 person council. So there can be six, six votes that end up not getting passed um, and also effectively not getting shot down. Uh, So all it takes is for one uh, council seat to flip to, you know, become one of these situations where we're having a bunch of 6-6 votes. I think that would be a, a real negative uh, for a lot of people. So um, I'm not siding one way or the other um, uh, in terms of like going through specific votes outside of the zoning, uh, unzoned areas requiring, you know, some of these septic rules and some of these riparian buffer rules that, that the council is trying to do that I think is completely out of line. Um, but there there is still a lot of, chaos going on in county council and uh and i think it's just worth mentioning all right let's get into the meat and potatoes of this episode and that is local elections let's let's talk big picture before i get into this and and let me just start by saying there have been uh in previous uh election seasons i have actually given uh verbal support to certain people and uh certain candidates and and have given you know, opinions on specific candidates. I'm not going to be doing that this time around. I may never do that again. Um, not that it had any kind of a negative impact. Um, I just, I, I think it's necessary for you all to do uh, your own research at the end of the day and look into the people that you might be supporting uh, or not supporting. Um, also, I've learned over the years that particularly if it's someone that's new that's running for election, that they uh, oftentimes don't really know what they're doing. And so I may come out against someone because they don't really know what they're, what they're doing and then they end up getting voted in and they end up doing a pretty good job because they had, have to learn on the fly. Uh, not uncommon. If you're a newly elected official on any level of government, you're not going to know most of the time what you're doing You know, for the first six to 12 months that you're in office. Um, so I don't want to... Uh, jump the gun a bit on uh, some of these elections, uh, but I do want to kind of give you guys some some big picture uh, things, and we will talk about some specific races here in a moment. Uh, before we do that, I just want to set the stage here, okay? A lot of candidates, and, and I've spoken to a lot of, uh, a good number of candidates running for office uh, in Greenville, TR, Malden, uh, Easley, um, uh, Simpsonville. I've spoken to a lot of them. And a lot of the candidates understand the simple concept that a municipality, city, county, state, whatever, is either growing or it's stagnating. There, There's not a way to kind of keep things the same and not run into stagnation. Actually, one person I spoke to used uh, Lauren's South Carolina as an example. Now, perhaps the uh, Lawrence people on Lawrence City Council might disagree with this, but 
but they came in with a bunch of, uh, at least in this person's words, a bunch of anti-development proposals. They did that. And then guess what? That then gave essentially birth to Fountain Inn uh, becoming a major city, not a major city, but a city that became a, a, an attraction. Uh-oh, Siri is turning on for some reason. Yeah, uh, no, no, I, I, I don't. <laughs> Siri is going crazy on me. All right. Okay, that was fun. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if I said city, and I don't even know if you guys picked that up because I've got these headphones on, so you probably didn't even hear any of that, so I apologize. Um, but um, but anyway, Fountain Inn took advantage of the fact that Lauren's uh, went in a more anti-development direction, and guess what? One of my best listings that I've had this year was in Fountain Inn. People want to live there. It's it's they there's been some great things that have happened there the past ten years, um, and it's it's really grown in a lot of positive ways. There's still a, affordable housing. Uh, there's a, a cute downtown. They've done a lot of things right, and uh, you know I don't know all of the history there, but according to this person that I was talking to. Um, who's running for election kind of down in that area, um, a, a lot of it has to do with them just taking advantage of Lawrence uh, moving in a more anti-development direction. And so uh, I think a lot of people running for office right now, uh, coming up here in, in the next couple of months, they understand that municipalities are either growing or stagnating. And the reality is, when we're talking about growing uh, a lot goes into that word. That word's doing a lot of heavy lifting. Uh, but at the very least, part uh, a component of that is that there has to be more real estate development, right? There's no growth if there's not real estate development. Um, and that's just the reality of the situation. You have to, in order to see growth in numbers, growth in finances, growth in tax revenue, whatever, you have to have more people. Those people need housing, um, and that housing has to come from somewhere. Uh, but that said, many, not to be surprised, um, at, we've talked about this before, many are concerned with the speed of the growth. This is the uh, major, major concern. And multiple people think that Greenville is turning into Charlotte or Atlanta. Um, now, I talked about this a few months ago. There is no way, no possible way within the next hundred years for Greenville to become anything like Char Charlotte or Atlanta. It is impossible. Okay? I'm not going to rehash all of that right now because we've talked about it in the past. I had a, a whole episode where I talked about this. But what I will say is that there's not a single group, not a single developer or anyone out there in government, not government, realtor association, anywhere proposing anything that would remotely that would that would come remotely close to our area ballooning in the way that Charlotte or Atlanta has it's just who how is that going to happen how are we going to all of the sudden uh go 10 times in size in a certain city when there's just no developments being proposed that would uh, that would come anywhere near that. It's just, it's not as simple as people as people like to put out in these talking points. They like to use Charlotte and Atlanta because they're nearby. We've all been to Charlotte and Atlanta. 
Uh, but the way those cities grew back in the uh, 30s, 40s, and 50s is completely different than how Greenville is growing in the 2020s right now. It just does not compare. And honestly, I immediately disrespect, in, in my mind, the opinions of someone who compares Greenville to Charlotte or Atlanta. If you want to pair, compare Greenville to Asheville or perhaps even uh, Nashville, perhaps, I'm a little bit more open to that. But Charlotte and Atlanta, no. Uh, please stop making those comparisons. Um, and, and of course, I'm not talking to you, my listeners. I'm just talking proverbially to, uh, to any of those out there that are making those comparisons. Um, these, these are just talking points meant to get people riled up, get people all emotional. But at the end of the day, they are toothless talking points to compare Greenville to these much bigger cities. The real issue, of course, is housing affordability, which we've talked about a lot on the show. And many of those running do understand housing affordability is a major issue. But there are real divisions, of course, over how to solve the housing affordability issue. Now, if you're not familiar with the term, with the abbreviation AMI, you need to become familiar with it. It means Area Median Income. Familiarize yourself with that because within many of the counties and cities in the upstate, developers are being tasked with including affordable um, and or workforce housing specifically for people who earn a certain amount of money below the AMI, okay? So you'll hear terms thrown out like 80% of AMI or 70% of AMI. That's what they're talking about. They're trying, basically, they're setting aside a portion of a development specifically for people who make less income than the average or or specifically than the median. Um, now, I am in favor of these types of initiatives, I'm very much in favor of uh, you know, there, there are certain uh, people in our community that, you know, we need, for instance, firefighters, we need police, we need teachers and whatnot. Well, a lot of these people are making below the area median income. And so how can they afford housing? So it's, it's very helpful when we have these types of initiatives and developers that are willing to, uh, to include housing for people on the lower end of the AMI bracket, uh, because that's something that we need. However, I don't like when people uh, in government are completely against market rate housing, just what you might consider just normal housing, housing that doesn't have income requirements, market rate housing, when, when basically they're just like, hey, unless there's affordable housing component to everything, we're going to stonewall all market rate housing. I am against that, right? As uh, uh, several people have said before, all housing is affordable housing, right? All developments, whether they adhere to AMI requirements or whether they are market rate housing, whatever, they contribute to making housing more affordable. Um, the only exception is if the government gets in the way and starts saying you have to have a one and a half acre lot, that's not going to help housing become more affordable. That's the government just shooting us all in the foot um, in, in terms of, you know, trying to make things more affordable. And, and unfortunately, that's the case. The same people that will say, oh, we want affordable housing will say, well, in unzoned areas, we want one and a half acre lots. That is a completely inconsistent perspective that needs to be called out. 
there are, again, I'm not going to name names in this podcast, but there are a lot of people on city, county councils that are talking out of both sides of their mouth when it comes to the housing affordability issue. Um, And perhaps at some point I will call them out. I've done it in the past. I may do it in the future. But right now I'm being a little bit uh, a little bit more diplomatic and a little bit more high level with this episode. All right. So that's the stage that is being set. Um, Now let's talk about some specific races. Uh, So let's start with Greenville, right? This is a Greenville podcast. Uh, Greenville City and and pretty much everything coming up uh, before the end of this year, pretty much city related elections. So Greenville City has mayor race and city council races. Um, now, for those of you that know, the, the Greenville mayor, Knox White, he has been mayor for quite a long time. And he's not had a lot of serious competition, but he does this year. Uh, Michelle Shane, um, who's probably the only person I'm going to actually mention by name, uh, she is running for uh, Greenville mayor, and uh, she she has a legitimate shot at beating Mayor White. Um, I truly do believe that she has a well-run campaign. She has money. She has supporters. She's a Democrat. That's a differentiating a point of differentiation for her. She's a woman. That's a point of differentiation for for her. And she's a new voice at a time when. Uh, A lot of people just want to get the old guard out of there, even if they don't know why. Will that be enough? I don't know. I don't know if that will be enough for her to potentially uh, unseat uh, Knox White for that, uh, for the the Greenville mayor. We'll have to see, but it's, it's very interesting. There's not a ton, in my opinion, a ton of differentiation. Um, As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Michelle Shane has worked with the mayor in the past. She was, I believe, on city council um, for quite some time, actually. And a a lot of the things that Greenville has done the past 20 years have both her fingerprints and his fingerprints on it. So she's going to, if if she's going to win this, she's going to really have to differentiate herself, in my opinion, more than just, I'm a Democrat and he's not, I'm a woman and he's not, and I'm a new voice and he's not. Uh, but that one will be very interesting to watch. Um, I think both candidates are are very qualified uh, to to be mayor in terms of qualifications. There there is no issue there. It's really just more what flavor of leader do you want to be Greenville mayor? I'm not going to put my weight behind either of those at either of them at this point in time. Uh, Greenville City also has several elections as well. Uh, these are interesting because um, I think most people agree that the city has gone in a very positive direction for several decades now, but there's still concern with overdevelopment and lack of infrastructure, particularly when it comes to sewer. Um, and this is pretty much the sentiment. I, I think just about everyone running for city council will agree with this. And so it's it's an interesting scenario that we have where People see the city of Greenville and they're like, wow, the city's done a great job. Um, But at the same time, uh, there is need for continued improvement uh, to the infrastructure. Um, And so how will that be reflected in city council? I don't know. Um, But it it will be interesting to watch and to see how all that plays out in the end. 
Simpsonville. Let's talk about Simpsonville for a second. They also have mayor and city council races. And the two main concerns, which if you know Simpsonville at all, this does not come as a surprise to you, the city of Simpsonville. The two main concerns are traffic and stormwater. Those are the, I mean, every person I've talked to in the Simpsonville race, those are two of the top things that they bring up. You could say parking uh, and downtown along with the traffic as well. Now, I've seen the stormwater issue firsthand. There was a house that I looked at recently that I was thinking about buying. And holy cow, the flooding that that house had from stormwater. I saw photos and video of it. It's insane. When we get a big rain, this is just, just a house in a normal subdivision. And when they get a big rain, the stormwater comes in and creates a river. I'm telling you. A foot-deep river in their backyard. Rushing river. It's insane. And, of course, tons of flooding that they've had. Needless to say, I did not buy that home. Um, And uh, big, big problem. Um, Now, unfortunately, most people that are aware of the stormwater issue think the problem is new developments, right? We're going to blame the new developments for bringing all this you know, more asphalt and concrete and causing all these stormwater issues. But that's actually incorrect. And and some of the candidates know, understand this, some of them don't. Uh, but what's really the fault, the, the problem with the stormwater issue is the old developments. The old developments didn't have the stricter codes that they do now. They did things that resulted in there being poor uh, handling of the stormwater. Um, but there something still needs to be done about it. There are no simple solutions for this. And I didn't hear a single, I haven't heard a single candidate offer a solution. I'm just like, okay, yeah, that's uh, that's something that we can do. That's something simple. Um, I, generally speaking, I think the sentiment is that they're going to need help on a state level. They're going to have to find a way to get funds from the state level in order to help Simpsonville with the stormwater problem. We'll see. That's going to be That's going to be tough. Uh, but we'll see if they're able to. With regard to traffic, also no simple solutions, right? Um, so my understanding is the city of Simpsonville did some kind of a uh, Department of Transportation DOT study, um, and that uh, um, recommendations were made by the DOT as to how to improve traffic, and that they're in the process of implementing those changes um, here in the near future. But it, it's not going to be enough, right? The, the Simpsonville has well-known traffic issues. And um, in my opinion, uh, really, they need to solve the parking problem in the city of Simpsonville uh, before they can really address the traffic problem. Parking is a lot easier to address than traffic. And sometimes if you address parking the right way, that can, uh, as a byproduct, uh, address the traffic. But if you've ever been in downtown Simpsonville uh, at at a busy time, you know that the traffic, the parking, uh, those are absolutely major issues. Traveler's Rest, um, TR has several city council races, and I, I don't have a whole lot to say about TR, but I will say this. It's definitely poised to be the next, we need to keep the city the same, uh, battleground area. Um, you know, people love, you know, that cute, the cute little TR strip, the Swamp Rabbit Trail, all of that. Um, and obviously, we don't want downtown TR to be overdeveloped and to look like this big city that it's just not designed to be. But I will say this. The city of TR has seen some of the most extreme price increases to residential real estate 
of anywhere in the upstate. And probably, I'm, I'm not a commercial realtor, but probably the commercial real estate in the area has seen insane appreciation as well. And we have to ask, is that what people want? Do they want housing in the city of TR to be completely unaffordable? Because there's huge demand to be near the Swamp Rabbit Trail, which um, has one of its main trailheads right there in downtown Traveler's Rest. Uh, but almost no houses in TR near it, uh, or, or I should say it this way, there's almost no houses in downtown TR that are near the Swamp Rabbit Trail that aren't either old or like really small. Um, and so again, I can understand people wanting to keep the small town feel of TR. Everyone wants to do that. But in terms of residential development, do we just want prices to keep going up and to not give people more options to be able to access that trail, to be able to stimulate that economy? Do we not want those local businesses on Main Street in TR to be able to have more traffic, have more people coming their way? I don't know. All I know is that I, um, I've i struggled for a long time now to find a good brunch spot that doesn't just have an outrageous wait uh, in Greenville between like 1030 and 11. And I found one in downtown TR. I'm going to keep that on the DL to myself. But if you're interested, feel free to text me. I'll let you know what restaurant it was that I, that I discovered recently that does not have a wait to get brunch at 1030 or 11 on Sunday mornings. Um, all right. That's all I'm going to say about TR. Uh, last but not least, certainly not least, is Pickens and Easley. Uh, those races also have mayor and city council races. And these might be the most interesting out of all of them. Nobody thinks that Easley or Pickens is interesting. But trust me, when it comes to these elections, they take the cake. Very interesting. So, my understanding and uh, and in full disclosure, I've not attended a an Easley City Council meeting. I'm not I'm not in Easley City. Doesn't impact me a whole lot uh, directly. But there's a person on Easley City Council, my understanding, who has caused a lot of ruckus for her extremely aggressive anti-development push. When we talk about NIMBYism, right? We've talked about this in the past. That stands for not in my backyard. These are the people that are like, oh yeah, we need more development, just not here right? If I'm in Easley, I'm saying, yeah, we need more development, but that needs to be in TR, not in Easley. Um, or if I'm in TR, I'm like, yeah, we need more development. We've got a lot of people moving here, but we don't want that to be in TR. We want that to be in Easley. Easley's got way more land than we have here in TR. That's what NIMBYism, people that, that understand that there needs to be development, but they don't want it in their backyard. In some extreme cases, they don't understand the need for development at all. Those people just don't understand economics. Um, but Easley is probably the biggest NIMBY battleground in the upstate. A lot of NIMBYism here, and a lot of this is being spearheaded by people that are heavily involved in local governments. Um, and, uh, and they've got this website, if you want to check it out. Easily Express. The Easily Express website is a place basically... Trying to uh, trying to uh, throw mud at candidates and people that are in office in Easley who are pro development, which isn't even it, it's used in a very loose term. It's basically anyone that has ever agreed to any sort of development at any time in Easley is considered an enemy of Easley per Easley Express. That's my interpretation, um, 
And uh, and then, of course, that website is used then to support um, or to endorse people that are anti-development. And talking to people involved in these elections, the NIMBYs have gotten out of control, right? They're taking photos at city council meetings and putting putting them up on uh, on this Easily Express website uh, and and disparaging uh, the uh, the city council members, uh, blasting these people on on that website. I've heard of uh, some of them following the council people. Uh, to their homes to harass them, harassing them out in public, all sorts of chaos. Uh, they're running strictly, the, the candidates that are running in Easley, and there are several of them that are running on this NIMBY platform, they're running strictly on anger. Um, and some of them have some good points, right, about infrastructure. This is always the issue, right? We obviously, everyone knows that with new, new with growth, with new developments, uh improvements and new infrastructure is required so we get that um, but everyone in easily understands that like that's not like a surprise to anyone um, and so essentially uh, these NIMBY candidates are just running strictly on uh, on anger and whereas in Greenville uh, we've seen council people cave to the NIMBYs I get a very different feeling in easily and this is interesting um, this is the first time we've seen this uh, where Talking to the people in Easley, it really seems like the NIMBYs have overplayed their hand. Um, so, uh, you know, think about it this way, right? We all know how there's people in, in the federal government, in Senate, in the House, etc. That um, they overplay their hand, they just run on anger, they don't cooperate with anyone, and they don't end up making any friends. They don't end up getting anything done. Politics is politics. You have to make friends. You have to cooperate. You have to work together. That's You have to compromise. That's the only way to get things done. Well, this group, this NIMBY group, they don't, they're not willing to compromise. They don't care about making friends. They can, they constantly tell people, this isn't personal. As they blast things on their website about these people, uh, yeah, it's personal. You're blasting things about me. You're following me home. That's very personal. Um, and so let's say that you're currently the mayor of Easley or currently on Easley City Council. You're, you're being constantly attacked uh, verbally and, and online by these people. Why on earth would you cooperate with them? Why would you try to compromise with them? There's no attempts being made on their end of compromise. So why would then you try to come towards them and, and compromise with them? It's, it's impossible. Um, and, and, and there's just no point in even trying. And so, really, what their strategy is isn't to make friends and to try to to make compromises. But the the these NIMBY candidates, their strategy is to just get all everyone out of office and to just wipe everything clean and to get all of the anti-development people into office so that they can just stonewall as many developments as they possibly can, put all these moratoriums into place cause developers to to not be able to develop in the city anymore and uh and and handle things that way so that is their approach rather than trying to uh be good political actors and to to work together with people from a wide variety of perspectives they're just trying to get all people in into the council that have one perspective um and if they're successful there i suspect that they will then take the county level next and go after Pickens County. Now, uh, I've referenced the Easy Express website a few times. The people being supported 
uh, by Easily Express. Uh, they would say that I am pro-development because just because I'm a realtor and I just want there to be an overwhelming number of homes to sell, right? That's the only reason why I would be in favor of building. But that is such a naive way to think about it. Like, it, it just, it doesn't even make sense. So it drives me crazy. I actually put something recently attacking the Greater Greenville Association of Realtors on Easily Express website. And a, 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 I could go through the video and explain how many naive things were said or, or simply misleading things were said. There were several several misleading things on there. Um, but, um, but to think that realtors are pro-development, pro-growth, just because we want there to be more houses to sell. That's that's just not true. That's not how this works. Um, I don't work for home builders. I'm not benefiting by the home builder's bottom line. Just because they're being, uh, just because more homes are being built, that doesn't mean that I will ever sell those homes. A hu- a, easily, it's not a huge portion of my business. Why would I be that worried about more homes being sold in easily just for my business as a realtor. It makes no sense. What I do have is clients that have wanted to to move in Easley City and haven't been able to because it's too expensive. So that's what I've seen. Okay. Um, and and so does that affect me? No, even that doesn't affect me because if I have a client that, that needs to move, if they can't move to Easley City, they're just gonna move somewhere else. So guess guess who lost out? The city of Easley lost out, um, and and my client lost out. For me as a realtor, my client's still gonna move. I'm still gonna get paid. So this whole idea that oh, realtors are just pro development because they just want more closings, it it just does. They don't understand how real estate works. They don't understand basic economics. Generally speaking, I'm not speaking for everyone on that website. I'm just saying generally speaking, people that are have a NIMBY approach to have a NIMBY worldview, um, they they make these talking points about realtors, real estate associations. They they really don't understand behind the scenes what we actually stand for, what we actually believe, and why we're pro-development. And so they put out these talking points that make sense to their followers that simply are not true. Um, so the question that I have for them is, what are they doing about housing affordability? And diddly squat would be the answer that uh, that I have. I don't see them doing anything for housing affordability. They just want housing affordability, or I shouldn't say they want housing affordability to go out the roof. Um, but by their actions, their actions are going to cause that to happen. They're going to cause the city of Easley to become so unaffordable that people are going to have to move out of that area. People's children are not going to be able to afford housing in that area. And uh, guess what? They'll move to some other great parts of the upstate and the city of Easley will lose out on some of its uh, brightest minds who simply can't afford to live there uh, to, to start their careers. So good good luck. Um, if you're if you're a NIMBY in Easley, I fare thee well. Um, so if you're not though, if you're a voter, I would recommend if you're in Easley City or in Pickens County, really do some real research on these candidates. I'm not saying that everyone uh, that is on that website on Easily Express that's supported on there is bad, and I'm not saying that everyone with the Easily Express website calls out as, calls out as bad is good or worth voting for. I'm not again. I'm not naming names. I'm not telling you to vote one way or another. I'm not throwing my support behind uh, one group or another. 
with one exception, and that is if you're anti-development, you you need to come to terms with the fact that you're behind behind the times, generally speaking. That's that, and again, that's my opinion. Um, so uh, be aware of that when you vote. Understand that if the right, just the right or just the wrong people get voted in, they could have a huge, huge impact on your area in Easley, in Simpsonville, in TR, in Greenville. Um, there's also races that I'm not going to talk about in Malden, Fountain Inn, and some other places as well. Um, people, not a whole lot of people come out to vote in these local elections, but they impact you very, very directly. They impact you way quicker than anything on the state or federal level does. Uh, they can make decisions just like that that immediately impact how what you can do with your house, what you can do with your land, what you can do with your uh, with your office, all sorts of things. And so, please take those elections seriously. One candidate that I spoke to, and and I'm gonna end with this. They said they only need 75 to 80 votes to win based on uh, the numbers that they've looked at in the past. 75 or 80 votes. You know, people are complaining all the time. My vote doesn't count. If you show up and vote for a city or a county election, your vote counts. You might end up being 2% of the vote for that municipality. Uh, So take that seriously. That is a a major, major thing, a major way that you can uh, impact your government and where you live. So I hope that was helpful for you guys. Um, if you wanted me to throw my support behind people, I'm sorry, not today. Um, maybe in the future, I don't know, we'll see. But if you have any questions, let me know. Happy to talk to you guys. Contact information in the show notes. Please like, review, subscribe, rate, all of those things. And uh, we'll talk again next time.